and welcome to this edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Alex Kyvich Potage back again. This podcast is sponsored by alltodowithgaming.com. Save up to 30% off on your entire order. That's Big Blue 30. That's the promo code. Alex Kyvich Potage back again. So we got two subjects to talk about, as we always do, on the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Obviously, two topics being the Giants and the Yankees. So we're going to talk about the Yankees first, get a little happiness in there before we get to the negative. So the Yankees, obviously, they made the playoffs. It was announced a couple of days ago. They're playing the Indians. Before I get to which pitchers are pitching, let me go over the roster real quick, and I'm going to really implement my surprises, or at least surprises that I think, you know, what players should be on there and whatnot. So the 28-man roster for the wild card, three-game set. Here are the pitchers. There's Zach Britton, Luis Sessa, Araldis Chapman, Garrett Cole, Davey Garcia, Chad Green, Jay Happ, Jonathan Holder, Jonathan Loisega, Jordan Montgomery, Nick Nelson, Adam Adovino, and Masahiro Tanaka. So to implement my thoughts in there, I think it's a smart move in a way to put Davey Garcia on the postseason roster the last podcast episode, I was sort of debating it. I'm like, mm, should he start? Should he even be in there? Give the kid some experience. That's what I'm saying. Give the kid some experience. You know, don't start him because you're putting him, you know, in that mode with so much pressure. But at least give him maybe an inning of opportunity in like the first or the second game. You know, he's a good long reliever, but I wouldn't start him because. You know, you're putting so much pressure on him from there. The roster spot for Nick Nelson actually surprises me. And I'll tell you why. Because they've been trying so hard with this Michael King thing for so many months now. It's not working. And unless he, you know, turns into a Cy Young pitcher, Michael King is not working right now. And I'm going to say that. But Nick Nelson, is he a better option? Not really. Because the way... The bullpen functions on some days, it's good and it's bad. You know, you don't know every time you come out with a pitcher. And that's why late in the season, they had J-Hap, Tanaka, and Cole going as long as they did because they didn't want to rely on the bullpen. But Loisega's in there. He's on and off. Montgomery, I don't like him being on the 28-man wildcard series roster. But is he better than Michael King? I guess he is. Uh, For... Jonathan Holder, I'm not really surprised. Am I happy? No. Because I don't like Holder in any which way. Sessa, the same thing. So it's going to be interesting. It really is with this 28-man roster. I mean, I'll get to the other positions in a second. But the pitchers, you know, if we were to go to extra innings... And remember, there's no days off. So if we were to go to extra innings and one of the pitchers screws us, you know... I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. For the infielders... Mike Ford, DJ LeMahieu, Glaber Torres, Gio Rochelle, and Luke Voigt. I guess they wanted to fit a backup first baseman in there. Uh, Mike Ford being that guy. Andujar hit really well before he got sent down. Tyro Estrada, he's a speed guy. They didn't call him back up. Mike Ford, I guess, you know, backup first baseman. Uh, others are not surprising. Three catchers, Kyle Higashoka, Eric Kratz, and Gary Sanchez. No surprises there, really. But I would like to see Higashoka catch tonight. If they put out Sanchez, we have no chance of winning, in my opinion, because, you know, Garrett Cole is more comfortable with Kyle Gushoka behind the plate. And, obviously, Eric Kratz is that third catcher, so maybe he'll be a pitcher 
if we ever get blown out. And if we do get blown out, I'm going to be posting a picture of my August 15, 2019 ticket to Yankee Stadium because I was at that game. If anyone doesn't know about that, look it up. Uh, infielder, outfielder, utility, Tyler Wade, no surprises there. Used, he's used for speed, but you know he's dumb as a brick when it comes to running on the bases, especially against the Mets game. You could say, oh, it was one time, but I can't imagine anybody in the Yankee fan base right now that likes Tyler Wade, to be honest. Outfielders, Clint Frazier, Brett Gardner, Aaron Hicks, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Mike Talkman. Pending injuries, obviously, because Judge and Stanton like to get injured. So we'll see what happens as far as that goes. They may be, probably because you have four infielders and you have five infielders totally on the roster, they're probably going to use an outfielder at DH. So, you know, and that's also common sense because Giancarlo Stanton, you know, he only plays right field once every century. But not really that much surprises as far as the 28-man roster goes. And that's pretty much it for my roster evaluation. I do have the stats here for the Yankees-Indians preview, though. The starting pitchers will be Garrett Cole and Shane Bieber tonight. Tomorrow night will be Masahiro Tanaka and Carlos Carrasco. And then the third night will be Zach Plezak versus we don't know who the Yankees starter is yet. So that's going to be interesting to see. But here are the stats for each one of those pitchers. Obviously, I can't get the third Yankee pitcher because we don't know who it is yet. It could be Garcia. Probably not. But it also could be Jay Happ or Jordan Montgomery, in which I would be scared in. Shane Bieber this year, 8 wins, 1 loss, 1.63 ERA, 12 games started, 77.1 innings pitched, 46 hits, 15 runs, 14 earned, 7 homers, 21 walks, and 122 strikeouts, which is really good. Uh, also, he faced 297 batters and hit one batter as well. And then for some advanced stats as well, obviously I told you some of the stats before, like he started 12 games. He also had a 1.75 runs per nine innings. I believe that's the stat. Now to go to Garrett Cole. Now, if I'm going to be honest here, you know, I get it was, you know, a 60-game season and all. But if you're a Yankee fan, I think you have to decide and say this, that Garrett Cole was really... Obviously, the head of the rotation and the best in the rotation, but he was not, you know, Cy Young candidate. You know, his stats may look good, but I think in a matter of time with watching the games, you can decide, basically, you know, he wasn't the Cy Young pitcher you would like him to be. And, you know, the 10 games that he did start, I think it was 10. No, it was actually 12. But, which actually was even considering, you know, 60-game season and whatnot. And like Shane Bieber made all of his starts and whatnot, but let's get to those stats. 7-3, 2.84 ERA, 12 games started. Two complete games, which was actually key for him. One shutout, 73 innings pitched, 53 hits, 27 earned runs, 14 homers, which is tough, you know, compared to years before. He also had 17 walks, 94 strikeouts, so he didn't reach 100, and two hit by pitches, two hit batters, and 288 batters faced. Now, if you want to go for the runs per nine innings, stat 3.33, which is slightly higher than Shane Bieber's. Now, let's go to the game two starters, Masahiro Tanaka for the Yankees. Let's look at his stats. I want him coming back this year, meaning next year, I should say. Because I really think that, you know, 
in the tough times he's had, I think he's better than Paxton, and we need to solidify that rotation for the next couple of years. You know, Cole obviously was signed to a big contract. Hap, I'm pretty sure, has a contract year. Same with James Paxton. Paxton's not good. I think the Yankees should not re-sign him, to be honest. Same with Jay Hap. I think Tanaka's the solid option, and you figure out the rest of the rotation from there. So for Tanaka, 3-3. Three and three. Obviously, the concussion kind of dealt with his starts a little bit. 3.56 ERA. 10 games started. 48 innings pitched. 48 hits. So that's one run. So that's one hit per inning. 19 earned runs. 9 homers. 8 walks. 44 Ks. 197 batters faced. And 4.69 runs per 9 innings. So that's it's not good. But you can definitely improve on those stats years later which whatever with whoever team he's with for Carlos Carrasco which I didn't know he was actually 33 I know he's been pitching a long time but I just didn't think he was that young I thought he was like maybe 35 37 33 anyway three and four this year 2.91 ERA which is pretty good 12 games started 68 innings pitched 55 hits 22 earned runs Eight homers, 27 walks, and 82 strikeouts. Two hit batters, and also 280 batters faced. Now, if you want to go for runs per nine inning, 2.91, which is actually pretty good. Obviously, Garrett Cole and Shane Bieber had a similar number to that. Plezak, the third game pitcher, 4-2, 2.28 ERA, eight games started, 55.1 55.1 innings pitch, 38 hits, 14 earned runs, 8 homers, 6 walks, 57 Ks, and 206 batters faced with 1 hit batter, and also 2.28 runs per 9 inning. So for the Yankees here, in my expectation, you need to win, obviously, two games. Best of three. So... There's two options where you can go with this. You could say, okay, win the first two and totally advance to the next series, which I got to look at the bracket system again. I know that for the bracket system, in a case that if you want to bet or try to win 100K, MLB.com is doing it again. But either they added something or I never heard of it before where you have to guess the number of home runs hit, which is really stupid. But I guess they're trying to make it harder for people to win 100K, especially in this year. But anyway... So, you could either win the first two, or you could win one and three. Or two and three, which really wouldn't make any sense at all. But, in a way, it would be the Yankees' thing, or the Yankees' motto, to win the first game against the Cleveland's toughest pitcher, and then to lose the next two games. That would be the Yankees' motto, and I know that would be. But, anyway, to confirm that factor or whatever, um, it could be destructive if the Yankees decide to win game one and game three because you really don't have that shot in a five-game set. And I have to, again, look at the brackets, but, you know, that doesn't do you as good as just getting out of the series winning games one and two. You know, you could struggle winning games one and three. As I said, you know, I'm just looking to the future aspect of it. Obviously, we have to win two games first before we can figure that out. But I definitely expect Gary Sanchez to play this series. I don't think Boone is going to go ahead and punish him like he said he was because he doesn't really have any balls, to be honest, you know, at least at this point in the season. And it was kind of stupid saying, oh, he's benched it, you know, late in the season. And totally, you know, 
regretting that and actually playing him and pinch hitting him for Higashoka in one of the Blue Jays games. So it doesn't make much sense at all. But do I see the Yankees winning the World Series? No. If you asked me in like early August, I would say yes. The Yankees are too inconsistent with their bullpen and too inconsistent with the hitting to actually win a World Series. The Dodgers are on fire. I have them, you know, on the National League side going to the World Series. Then again, the Marlins might too because, you know, every time they've captured a World Series title, it's been through a wild card. So we'll see what that brings. But uh, to probably end off my postseason preview and the Indians preview, which hopefully I'm able to get this out before the game starts, and I probably will, knowing that this is probably going to be a shorter episode. Again, I don't expect the Yankees to go to the World Series this year because they've had trouble against teams like the Rays. They had trouble against the Blue Jays, for God's sakes. And that was, you know, in Buffalo. They had trouble against the Marlins. So, if you can't beat those teams, why would you beat the Dodgers? You know, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Then again, that would be the Yankees thing to do. And that's pretty much what I have to say. Going into my Giants recap from the 49er game, I did watch part of the game. And here's my analysis on it. Okay, so do we dare talk about the Giants? Yes. Oh boy, where do I start? Giants lost by a score of 36-9. Giants did not score a touchdown. And they were manhandled by the 49ers JV team. Let's be honest. They had at least 5-10 to 10 starters out, including Bosa, including uh, what's-his-face, the other guy, Solomon Thomas. Tevin Coleman wasn't in there. Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't in there. Raheem Mostert was not in there. Uh, Debo Samuel, he was not in there. So, again, you're playing the practice squad and you lose 36-9. But, I got to start out with the positives and the negatives, but there's not many positives. Let's start out with that. So, for the positives, Bradbury had a solid first half. You know, he was covering Kendrick Bourne, mostly trailing the number one guy. Did a very good job, at least I could say. Blake Martinez, I wouldn't say he wasn't impactful, but I'm going to say he wasn't as impactful as the first two games. Again, I'm halfway through the game, so I have to watch the rest of it and take notes on it uh, through the whole way. And for another positive, I would say team only allowed 93 total rushing yards. Uh, McKinnon, he had 14 carries for 38 yards. That was like, I don't know, less than three yards per carry, which is good. But, again, some chunk plays or some, like, you know, if it's a second and two and they get a first down, you know, those are the plays that are not looked at. But, in total, 2.7 yards per carry, no matter the running back. But, Brandon Ayuk was second in rushing. He was above Jeff Wilson, but under uh, Jerick McKinnon. So, you know, that's something we got to look out for, and I'm going to mention that later with, you know, Giants not recognizing the fact that how many end arounds to Ayuk and they missed the opportunities, and we'll get to that. Negatives. The O-line could not run block again. You could see that. Everybody could see that. The offensive line was not progressing like it should have. You know, I get it. Robert Saleh, he's a good defensive coordinator, but when you have Nick Bosa, when you have Solomon Thomas out as well, Javon Kinlaw totally manhandled Will Hernandez. 
And I get, oh, he's a 14th overall pick out of South Carolina. And, you know, you know, big expectations. You know what? We had high hopes for Will Hernandez, and we still do. But it's getting a little concerning at this point, don't you think? You know, I'm starting to think that some of the schemes were better under Shermer. And I'm going to get to that. Not necessarily offensive line, but we'll take a look in a minute. Not really take a look, but just like break it down. Probably one of the most obvious, Isaac Yadom is not a cornerback too. They just picked up some Madre Harper. Uh, Madre Harper, he's defensive back from the Raiders. They got him from the practice squad. The only reason they pried him was giving him a rookie bonus. So that was interesting. But he was, I think, ran a 4.5 or would have ran a 4.5 at the Combine. And also, he was like, I believe, 8th in completion percentage. I should say incompletion percentage. When it came to cornerbacks around the country last year, according to Pro Football Focus. Which, again, is a wary stat. But, you know, again, he wasn't drafted for a reason, right? Whatever reason may be. Receivers cannot get separation. This goes along with, you know, the offense and everything else. Um, Before... I go and get to Daniel Jones's turnovers and the turnovers just generally. I'm going to smooch it on the one. Receivers can't get separation. And everybody's saying, oh, Daniel Jones, he's turning over the football. Uh, the offensive line, you know, can't make uh, time for shit. Yeah, I get that. And those are problems. But for some reason, you know, with the receivers we have, they can't get separation. I have to look at the tape. I have to look at the game. I have to rewatch the game a little more. Couldn't get separation for shit. And, you know, could be pertaining to that problem is that Jason Garrett has not gone down the field a lot. And, you know, I get the Damian Ratley pass, the Slayton pass, you know, those two were towards the end of the game. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. But, you know, in Jason Garrett's offense so far, I'm not, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed at all. Uh, in this offense so far, if you run through the first three games, I would say, mainly the last two as well, you're likely more to see Daniel Jones forcing a ball and getting intercepted on a 5-10 to yard pass, whether it be a stick route or a slant route, rather than just going downfield and taking a risk, getting intercepted in the field position is worse for the opposing team. Depending, obviously, but... You know, that's just the way it's been for the last two games, three games. And it's not helping Daniel Jones. And we say that he played better under Shermer? Yeah, quite possibly, maybe. You know, the turnovers are still there, which is a problem. You know, the interception to Ingram was intended for Ingram, you know, to Fred Warner. That shouldn't have been thrown because he was forcing the ball again, trying to make plays and trying to be bigger than what he, and trying to be bigger than what he actually is. Let's, you know, break that down for a minute. A lot of people are starting to say um, he's trying to be bigger and, you know, he's trying to manhandle the team himself. He can't do that. You know, I get the point of carrying a team and, you know, wins and everything else. But if that theory is correct, I'm kind of scared in a way because I think he's trying to do too much. You know, if you can't find route whether a short route or a long route or whatever throw it away or run it i'm sorry but again 
Most of the rushing yards came off of Daniel Jones. That's what, the second game in a row? Third game in a row probably, actually now. And he's the leading rusher for the Giants. Hopefully that changes with Devonta Freeman in the next couple of games, but I'm not putting my paws on it. So, and the two other turnovers, you know, the broadcasters, you know, the big media, oh, uh, you know, that was Daniel Jones' fault. Yeah, I get the pitch was a little high, but Ingram has not done shit this year for the Giants. And if he continues not to do shit, he should get traded. I'm sorry. You know, I've been a fan and a supporter of Evan Ingram, but I'm off the Evan Ingram trade. I'm sorry. I'm off that train. You know, he's not showed me anything this year. A couple missed opportunities against the Steelers. Showing up in the second half against the Bears only. And then a couple, you know, receptions. Somebody said something to me. And my brother told me someone said something. But I know this person, but I'm not going to, you know, mention who. Oh, Ingram made some impactful plays against the 49ers. Really? Three receptions, 22 yards. Wasn't the lead receiver and caused a fumble. What are we doing? And, you know, um, before I get to the Slayton fumble, which was totally unacceptable, but it was garbage time, so what the fuck did it matter? You know, Ratley went deep on a 23-yard pass and fumbled out of bounds, and he's like, first down. Bro, you have really no rights to talk. I'm not, you know, trying to start anything, and he's probably not watching this, and I really don't care. But you literally have not shown up for the Giants all season. I'm going to get to that. You have not shown up for the Giants all season. But when it's garbage time and you finally make a catch and you're pointing this way even though you just fumbled the football? Come on, bro. I'm not saying you can't get excited, but that's just bullshit. Defense gave up in the second half. We saw it. When I was pointing earlier, oh, Brandon Ayuk, he was one of the lead rushers for the San Francisco 49ers. A couple of those plays were on end arounds. Most of them were, if not all of them. And the one for a touchdown was unacceptable. You know, the defense totally caved in. I forget who was in the backfield. I think it was Wilson or maybe Mostair. I'm sorry, not Mostair. Um, Jerick McKinnon. The defense totally caved in and fell for it as Mullins hands it off to Ayuk, circles around, gets the touchdown. The defense gave up. You know, I thought the defense was going to be, oh, we're the fighting Joe Judges. No, because you gave up in the second half. The problem everybody doesn't realize is that most of our problems last year, you know, were that the offense couldn't score, and when the offense didn't score, how many points were given up by the defense? So let's take a moment and say, okay, some of this stuff is not new. I'm just pissed off at that. I really am. Uh, Mullins, 343 passing yards. He's, you know, looking like Joe Montana all of a sudden. Unbelievable. Uh, three turnovers, I mentioned that. Donnie Holmes, I am not impressed with him. You know, I get it. Oh, he's a fourth-round rookie. He's still learning. Doesn't know how to cover anybody. And his tackling skills are getting very wary. Again, I have to watch the game for the millionth time, or at least the second half of the game. He has not looked good so far in the opportunities he's gotten this season. You know, he's probably looked worse than Yaido. I'm sorry, I have to say that, but I think that the Giants will give Holmes more time than they will Yaido or maybe Ballantyne, but Ballantyne barely even played. I don't know what the snap count was. I probably have to pull it up, probably have it uh, another, on another day, but anyway, uh, Devontae Downs, limited snaps he's got, can't make a play. You know, it was one of the first run plays for the 49ers, and even though 
Ross Dwelly was holding him. He was literally grasping the jersey and trying to get the shoulder pad of what's his face, uh, Devontae Downs. He was not called for a holding penalty. But at the same time, Devontae Downs was not making an effort to where he could possibly come out of the block and tackle. I think it was Ayuk, maybe, or maybe somebody else. Again, I have to go back and watch, but still, you know, I'm not wrong on that play. Uh, Ayuk, 103 scrimmage yards. Like, what is that? He had 70 something receiving yards and 33 rushing yards. Can't happen. Can't happen. Time of possession, it was one sided. 39 minutes to 20 minutes. Obviously, with the seconds involved there, too. But time of possession, the defense was on the field forever. That's because they couldn't stop them at points, and because the offense had a three and out every fucking drive. Unbelievable. Some points to make. And now this is probably going to end the podcast episode, but, you know, probably one of my shorter ones, but good for you guys, I guess. I don't know. Giants failed to target an inside linebacker two and a cornerback two. Everybody knew, you know, uh, coming out from the, the preseason slash training camp, David Mayo was going on IR. And he's only a run stopper, too. Giants let go of Ryan Connolly. He's now with the Vikings. That team is 0-3, but that's, you know, another topic to discuss. We have Devontae Downs. He has not made a play. Or a positive impact. And I'm not saying, oh, he's got to be the star tackler of the team. I'm not saying he's got to get five interceptions per year and, you know, cover really good. No, he hasn't been good. He hasn't been good. And, you know, the fact that this coaching staff chose him over Connolly, and I'm going to question it again, how bad was Connolly? How bad was Connolly injured? He's obviously playing some snaps for the Vikings, so I don't understand what this coaching staff was thinking. But, again, you know, everybody was saying, oh, um, oh, you know, the coaching staff sees that you guys don't, you guys are just fans. Well, clearly right now, Devontae Downs isn't playing any good. So I guess, I don't know, we were right so far? Just my observation. For Isaac Yadom in the cornerback two position, as I mentioned, Madre Harper was signed off the practice squad of the Las Vegas Raiders. So we'll see where that goes. But towards the end of the 49er game, they shoved Ryan Lewis at cornerback two. So that just clearly shows you that the Giants... Failed to target a cornerback, too. I don't care, you know, Logan Ryan playing safety. I don't care. I don't care. You know, that was good signing. I will admit he's played decent so far. But cornerback, too, you know, oh, Ballantyne's going to be the star. Nope. Cut that off the list. Yaitom's going to be the star. Nope. Done already. So I'm going to say this for the 19th time. I was not a fan of that Yaitom trade. Gettleman is in trouble. I can't help you anymore, Dave. I'm sorry. And I know a lot of the Giants fans are like, oh, this, that, and the other thing. There is no indication that Dave Gettleman's staying this year. I'm sorry. This year, next year, whatever. You know, Michael K said, oh, he's going to retire. No, he's not. Because he ain't walking out of MetLife Stadium or the facility without being fired. Let's be honest. He's going to get fired. You know, whether we finish strong or whether we finish, you know, horribly, he's getting fired. Some of the signings, and you could make a case, and I don't know if Giants fans have made that case already, knowing how angry they are, they probably have, that, oh, Reese and Gettleman are alike, because the last year, or, you know, 2016 to now, compare them. Why? And I'm not saying, oh, new coach, I'm saying that, you know, 
Gettleman signed Bradbury. Gettleman signed Martinez. Two of those have worked so far. Reese, Damon Harrison, Olivier Vernon, and Janoris Jenkins. Those two worked one year. Those three, I mean. So, you know, uh, Damon Harrison, obviously, who worked, you know, years going on. He's not retired yet, which I'm kind of proud about because he was probably one of my favorite players. Uh, For Olivier Vernon, he was inconsistent as all hell. Could not stay on the field. Could not rush the passer at different points in the game. For a third, uh, meaning third player, meaning Janoris Jenkins, you know, he was a solid corner in 2017, 2018, part of 2019. And, you know, obviously 2016 was a Pro Bowl season, but he did not deserve his contract knowing the last three years were just solid. So, I guess that was a mistake there. But, another one, should have never cut Corey Coleman. And, again, oh, well, you know, you guys don't see that. You uh, you guys are just fans. You know, that's what the beat reporters are telling us. Yeah, uh, Coleman, maybe he wouldn't have gotten involved right away. But where the fuck is Damian Ratley? You know, Sterling Shepard, yeah, he's on IR, but where is he? CJ Board's looking okay. You know, I don't have a problem with him. Damian Ratley, oh, he's supposed to be this deep threat. Oh, you know, in Cleveland, he was this, you know, deep threat, number four, number five wide receiver on occasion. Yeah, where is he? What Depth piece for no reason, because he isn't doing anything. I'm not saying, you know, get 200 yards each game, but he's fucking disappeared. He doesn't even know how to run block. CJ Boyd looks good, as I just said. Daniel Jones needs to improve. I'm sorry, Daniel, you need to improve. And, you know, I don't know what to say anymore because I'm running out of excuses. And everybody's saying, oh, tank for Trevor. You know what? I get Daniel Jones is committing turnovers. I get that he's not playing his best football right now. I get it that he's forcing throws. I get it that his play isn't always good. So you're telling me that in the same exact situation, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields would do better? You're asking Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields to do what Daniel Jones wants to do right now. Daniel Jones wants to put the team on his back. He can't do that. I guess he's not one of those quarterbacks that can do that. But, you know, oh, Trevor Lawrence. No, no, I'm sorry. You don't, you don't tank. You know, that's how teams end up being the Miami Dolphins. And will they work out? I don't know. Because, you know, it just really, it's a change of culture. It really is. You know, everyone's thinking, you know, I used to think, not really, but I had an ideology. Oh, Tank, uh, like the Raiders did, you know, get a couple extra picks. Are the Raiders like the Chiefs right now? Are they like the Patriots? Are they like the Ravens right now? No. Those teams didn't tank. What What the Raiders did along with the Dolphins, and teams to come, probably, I don't know, maybe Jacksonville, I don't know, but they don't see, they don't seem like they're tanking. What those teams did, is they tanked with their new head coach, and then started building from the bottom up with draft picks. And some of those decisions were bad, I will say that right now. But, they, you know, they made the attempt, I get it, but they are not like the Chiefs right now. They are not like the Patriots or the Ravens. That's my thing. You could be a good team. You could be 9-7. and seven, You could be 10-6. and six. You're not the top three teams. I'm sorry. That's what tanking does. You know, you could think, oh, we have two attack of Iloa. Oh, we have uh, Derek Carr. Oh, we, we're going to get uh, 
Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, you know, if the Giants tank, no, uh uh-uh, because it just doesn't magically, you know, uh, go into a good team, this doesn't transition from one of the worst teams in the league to the best team in the league, that doesn't happen, takes years for that to happen, and you have to have a consistent core, and one thing I want to address with this offensive line, yeah, I get it, you know, I've criticized them in this podcast episode, you ever heard of continuity, you know, I get it, you know, uh, oh, the offensive line is playing good, you know, the run blocking, the pass blocking, yeah, I get that, sure, continuity, they need to have that chemistry with each other, or else, you know, nothing's gonna happen, nothing, nothing's gonna happen, and Giants fans are just gonna get more mad and mad, but you have to give this offensive line a chance, I get Will Hernandez, you know, get concerned about him, maybe put in Matt Pert or something, but at the same time, continuity, again, but to put final emphasis on it, you know, we're not beating the Rams next week. I hope they're double-digit point favorites in the spread. I hope they are. Teaches Giants team a lesson. And Mark Colombo said in his presser yesterday, one of the days, he said, oh, I like how this, you know, offensive line is pissed off. You got to perform. You got to perform. I'm not saying throw guys out there and magically they perform better. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, you know, you're one of the best O-line coaches in the NFL. At least spruce something into them. But anyway, that is the end of this episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Our podcasts are available on Spotify, Podbean, and the other podcast platforms. Follow our social media pages, Instagram and Twitter at Big Blue in the Bronx. Thank you guys for supporting. Obviously, I will have the preview for the Giants-Rams game out on Friday, and obviously Sunday will be the recap before Tuesday's episode and all that and all that. Thank you guys for supporting, and we will see you on Friday.